FBI Radio. But it is just past 10, which means it's time for Down to Earth. I'm joined by Kurt Iverson, urban geographer at the University of Sydney, for our mostly regular fortnightly segment on how we can make our cities fairer and more sustainable. This week, like I mentioned earlier, we're talking about the climate emergency movement that is growing around the world and that has just sort of made its mark down here in Sydney. Yeah, exactly. So... um Earlier this week, the City of Sydney Council passed this motion declaring a climate emergency, um, and it's sort of got the reactions that you'd probably predict from different people, right? Yeah, yeah. Greenpeace are like, woo, go the City of Sydney, taking climate leadership. Uh, Mark Latham from One Nation was on the radio, not on this radio, some no, other thank radio. thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Labelling it ridiculous, um, et cetera, et cetera. So I figured... It's in the news, so a good excuse for us to talk about what it all means, what's new about it, um, and maybe get into a bit of the pros and cons of, of framing issues like climate um, as a kind of emergency. So I'm, I'm excited about this chat, um, but before we get super deep into it, what mm-hmm. was the actual motion that the city of Sydney passed? Because it's kind of vague. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So basically, um, the Lord Mayor Clovermore took a motion into the city of Sydney, and the motion did a few things. First of all... It kind of did what council motions often do, which is talked up how great the council is. Um, so it <laughs> talked about um, the work that the city of Sydney is already doing in reducing emissions, uh, particularly the emissions associated with its own operations yeah. and trying to sort of shift to renewable Confusing. energy there. <laughs> yep, exactly. But um, also, I guess, sort of made a big statement about the limitations of the federal government particularly saying, and I quote, that successful, successful, successive, Federal governments have shamefully presided over a climate disaster and now we are at a critical juncture. We face a climate emergency. So that was the kind of key bit of the motion. And then it went on to call on the federal government to introduce a price on carbon to establish a just transition authority um, for communities and for workers who are dependent on fossil fuel industries. So these sort of um, like practical goals and targets aren't new. Like we've heard this stuff before, but it feels like the actual sort of big deal of that is that these issues have been labelled uh, reactionary to part of something now called an emergency. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, as you say, the, the first thing we can focus on is exactly as you're saying that this is a kind of new language, right? So the idea of an emergency um, is meant to sort of signal a shift from, um, you know, business as usual, um, saying that we're not going to make the difference that we need to make to um, emissions and particularly to sort of, you know, I guess addressing the threat of uh, runaway climate change just by business as usual and that um, this is a crisis uh, that we need to take sort of big emergency action. So that shift from business as usual to like almost sort of a language that is meant to signal that all resources of government ought to be devoted to dealing with this emergency, just like it would be if there was a war on or a giant flood or a hurricane or whatever, but like emergency, emergency, let's not just think that we can fix it slowly or fix it later. We're going to do something now. It's interesting that it's a local government that seems to be leading the charge on this when you'd think that when it comes to emergencies, it would be the federal government or state governments that would be the ones leading the charge on this. Yeah, yeah. And so that is absolutely like a second new thing about this whole climate emergency movement, really, which is that it's being driven by, like you say, a kind of new set of actors, right? So 
There are now over um, 600 government authorities around the world that have declared climate emergencies. Great news. You can check <laughs> it out on the climateemergency.org website. Um, but overwhelmingly, this is a campaign that's working its way through local and city governments, right? So, um, and the idea here is kind of that if nation states are actually failing to put policies in place that are going to address the kind of emissions reduction targets that were set with the... Um, Paris uh, discussions that, you know, local and city governments, when over half the world's population lives in cities, that they can kind of coordinate their own action that might make a big difference. So there are a few nation states that have passed these kind of motions. Um, notably um, in the UK, there was a, you know, parliamentary debate on climate emergency. Um, and some small institutions around the world as well are also sort of, you know, mobilising their communities to, like, declare climate emergencies. So, um, like, it's been interesting for me as a university person to observe that a few unis in the UK have declared yeah, climate emergencies too. Yeah. And I'm interested to see whether that's something that a few of us might start um, you know, kicking into locally here as well. Yeah, but you'd think it would be happening sooner with universities because students always seem to be the ones who have to lead yeah. the sort of fight for things like change and protests and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And look, you can really see, particularly in Sydney, you know, it's really been particularly the student strikers that have been putting the pressure on people like the City of Sydney to pass these kinds mm. of declarations, right? Um, so as you say, you know, this is all very much kind of reacting to Extinction Rebellion stuff, to student striking and everything, which is also again, if you think about those actions, they're really trying to sort of say, we can't just keep going to school as usual while all this has got to happen. All this is happening. We need, you know, deeper, uh, more meaningful action, etc. Yeah. Well, this is super interesting. I'm going to play a little song. Yes, ma'am. And then when we get back, we'll talk about the actual sort of concept of climate emergency. What are the pros? What are the cons? What's it going to do? FBI Radio. You're listening to Mornings with uh, Ondine this week on FBI Radio 94.5 and we are midway through Down to Earth, our fortnightly segment with Kurt Iverson and we've been chatting about climate emergencies, uh, focusing on the City of Sydney recently um, passing a motion declaring a climate emergency and we've been chatting a lot about this idea of what sort of climate emergency means in, in language and in the words. And I guess uh, it is super important in this idea to expand on that and talk about what does it actually mean? Yeah. What is a climate emergency? That's right. <laughs> and so, look, I think um, the good thing about it, it seems to me, is that actually the words that we use to talk about the environmental problems that we face matter. Um, and that's partly what these emergency declarations are all about. Um that lots of activism in recent years has pushed for us to be like shifting gears um, in a degree of seriousness with which we treat something like climate change. Um, and particularly if you think about that last intergovernmental panel um, report on climate change, really laying it out for us all globally, right? We've got 12 years to cut emissions in half to avoid catastrophic climate change was the takeaway message there. So it's kind of like, you know, actually talking about climate change um, as we have been for a long time, maybe the words aren't powerful enough to signal to us the size of the task that we have in front of us. And so that's, as we were saying before, something that the student strikers have been talking up. It's something that folks like the Extinction Rebellion people have been talking up. But even it's you know interesting to me that... Um, say, the Guardian newspapers globally, they've just changed their style guide to say they that have, yeah. let's not use the word climate change anymore. We're going to talk about climate crisis or climate emergency. So, you know, the words matter. So on one level, I can see that there's actually something good happening when um, people are, you know, passing these controversial motions and we're talking about whether this really is an emergency. It's kicking off a discussion that we need to have. 
But do you think this sort of beyond the words and the language of climate emergency, do you think passing motions declaring climate emergencies actually does anything? Yeah. And so, look, that is the question, isn't it? Yeah. Like, so um, is there going to be new action that comes with the new words and the new actors that are getting involved? That's the big question. And so as much as it's really great for us to be sort of shifting language and grabbing attention, if these declarations aren't accompanied by action, then of course, so what? Who cares? Yeah, Good, yeah. You've passed a motion um, and now what? So it's only really if those declarations actually help us to mobilise new resources that it's going to matter. And like to be super honest, um, like right now, even if you look at the city of Sydney as one example, um, there's not like an emergency action plan that I've seen attached to the motion. They're calling on the Commonwealth government to set up this just transition authority. And that's like super important. And they need to do that. And they're talking about, you know, putting a price on carbon and there's very views on that, but maybe that's important too. But it's kind of like, all right, well, if you're the city of Sydney, what's your action plan now that you've declared an emergency? Um, and I guess like, Looking globally, I sort of had a bit of a Google around for like who's developing these plans to go with the emergency stuff. And so there's another like geography dude called Paul Chatterton who's over in Leeds in the UK. Um, and he has been working, you know, really pushing hard for Leeds City Council to adopt the climate emergency motion, but has also written this brilliant 20-page, what he calls a civic plan for climate emergency that just like lays it out, right? He's, if we pass the motion, here's what we ought to be doing. And he's got a whole bunch of proposals around civic energy. So, like, what is it that local governments can actually do about electricity and generating cheap, renewable, affordable electricity for people who live in the areas? Um, what can they do for a, a kind of what he calls a climate-safe mobility plan to reduce car use and encourage active and public transport? How can they incorporate a bit more nature into the way that they plan their urban spaces to uh, deal with biodiversity? And particularly, like... The fourth area that he says ought to be the focus is just developing a kind of city commons. Um, you know, what are the kind of non-profit collective systems for housing and for food that we could be bringing in through local government action that would sort of address environmental problems? All of those are great. Like, all of those make sense, I think, in city areas. Yeah, they really do. And, like, the thing that Paul is saying about the emergency declaration is that lots of bits and pieces in those four areas are kind of happening already through local governments in like Leeds, but also you could say here in Sydney. So I know that people um, like Jess Scully are already, who's a councillor at the city of Sydney, doing really interesting work about like, okay, what would a policy in support of the commons look like? Um, there's other people in the city, I'm sure, doing work about like, you know, energy. And it's kind of like, all right, well, let's figure out what an emergency plan would look like that would take that declaration, pull all those things together, but really say, this is our goals in the next five years like this is what we're yeah gonna do. and have all those things functioning together rather yeah. than being individual things that sort of happen randomly yeah yeah exactly so i think that's kind of the next step right like action plan yes um let's hope so yeah. <laughs> um look another criticism is that um this whole defining it as an emergency might be sort of alienating or stressful for people or even worse, um, justify actions that actually make things kind of bad for people. Yeah. And so that, I think, to the extent that there's, I think, some legitimate criticism out there about this language and about these declarations, as you say, the first thing is that there are some folks, including one of the councillors in the city of Sydney who tried to get an amendment to the motion and failed, but their argument is, like, that word's just going to make people switch off, you know, because they're going to think it's too extreme or whatever. Um, so there's definitely some debate about the language that's happening on those lines. Um, but I think even more 
powerfully for me anyway. There are others who are sort of saying, well, listen, let's just think about times in history around the world when like governments have declared states of emergency and ask ourselves, have good things happened? Um, and I guess the experience for many people around the planet is when a state of emergency gets declared, it's declared by a government that's trying to take away their rights to something, that's trying to basically impose its will um, on a society by saying, you know, the normal rules don't apply anymore because, hey, state of emergency. Yeah, and true. So I'm kind of... Obviously not saying that, like, Clever Moore is trying to assume dictatorial powers in the city of Sydney by, you know, moving a motion declaring a climate emergency. But I guess just in terms of how that language is going to resonate with different communities in our city who are maybe coming from parts of the world where their experience of emergency declarations is not so positive. Um, but certainly if we're thinking about this movement being a global movement, um, yeah, there are those who are sort of saying, hang on a second, you know, we get that whole thing about it not being business as usual anymore is great but like let's just be careful what we wish for when we talk about like replicating a kind of state of emergency or a war footing when we're talking about climate yeah i feel like a lot of people that i've sort of talked to in sort of you know like discussion groups like local extinction rebellion groups and stuff mm -hmm. like that are worried about it because of this sort of idea of emergency leading to sort of military yeah. um intervention as well which is scary for a lot of people so i think there's that dynamic of like the reality of emergency is scary, but also, like, I don't want to accept the reality of it being an emergency, so I'm going to switch off. So it's this mm. really stressful balance of, like, people don't really want emergency either way, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're right. It's kind of quite different directions that those concerns yeah. are coming from, isn't it? And, um, yeah, I mean, I do, as you say, it's just, um, and it's the same debate that in some ways is going on. Um, in the States about the Green New Deal stuff that um, AOC has been pushing there yeah. as well. That, you know, this idea again that this is like the moon shot, this is like the post-war reconstruction. It's kind of like, oh, yep, like cool on one level, but on another level, like, yeah, all those big government mobilizations have had their issues. So, um, and as you say, particularly, I think for the environment movement globally, there are some in the movement who are almost like, we just need to stop with democracy because it's not delivering us the things we need. We just like need experts who understand the science, take control, do it for us. Yeah. And it's kind of like, oh, crap. You know, so what we don't want is these emergency declarations leading to that kind of outcome, I think, where it's kind of like, let's just put it in the hands of some emergency SAR who's going to take care of everything for us um, and, you know, squish all that democracy and all that rights business because it's just getting in the way of serious action on climate change. Um, and so I think that's the other aspect of, Paul's discussion about a civic plan for climate emergency is really about this is like a mobilization of society, right? Not just government. If yeah, we do it right. yeah. So there's got to be citizen assemblies about what these different things might look like. It's got to be real active engagement with the populace. Yeah, look, I think it's a it's a super complex issue and mm. I think it's going to be interesting to see post this declaration where it ends up taking particularly the city of Sydney. Yeah. Um, if people want to know more about this, where can they go? Yeah, well, um, so there is a website, um, climateemergencydeclaration.org, that you could check out. That um, That's the kind of like almost a clearinghouse for all these different local, um, you know, organisers who are sort of pushing for climate emergencies. So you can get a map of where they've all been declared from that website, background on the language and the, why it matters. Um, but like I say, the other thing I'd be doing if you're interested is um, is Googling Paul's. So it's called a Civic Plan for Climate Emergency. It's like 20 pages, super easy to read, goodness, awesomeness, with links to further things. So um, I'll give that a big plug while I'm on the radio too. 
Look, we'll pop that information up on the program's page as well so listeners cool. can go jump on there and find out more. Kurt, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, this was thanks, a super indeed. interesting chat. Yeah, thanks for having me. We'll see you hopefully in two weeks' time. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.